0: Hello and welcome to this Life Changes podcast. You are now listening to one of our Sunday messages. If you'd like to know more about Life Changes, you can visit us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Now lean in and enjoy. It's a privilege to see you all this morning. A warm welcome to everyone. My name is Gabe Phillips, if we have not met. And I get to be one of the pastors here at Life Changes. And the, the husband to the amazing Fiona and the dad to this incredible Olivia, um, she gave me a little bit of a round of applause when I came home this morning early. It was very, very cute, and yep. very good, yeah, like that, just like that, eh and that 's how you get the people eating out of your hand, eh <laughs> public speaking 101. <laughs> look at my cute daughter, yes, but it 's really, really exciting to see everyone here. Um, this morning, a little bit different, if you are visiting, we, we don't often have uh, balloons and shaving cream, but we thought, why not? So this, is, this is what we do. This is church, man. It's supposed to be a lot of fun, and it's really, really good to be with you guys. Before we preach this morning, just one last announcement that that's impacts all of us as Life Changes Milnerton. For us, as we've been journeying with the school and the venue here, they've got a a school play coming up called Annie and uh, it's going to be really, really good and we're excited to help support and partner in that with them. But that for us means that the the school hall is going to be in full use for the next three months or so. And as we navigate that journey, the school have graciously allowed us to uh, use their conference venue for the next uh, couple months. So some of you might remember a few when we uh, about a year ago, we had to spend some time in the conference venue. So we're going back to the conference venue. It'll, because We've grown in size. We're going to have to do a few shifts and dynamic changes. Um, The kids won't be in with us for worship during the worship time. They'll have their own worship, which is amazing. The Life Kids team are so excited about this to have kids worship the whole way through. They're going to have incredible. We're going to so we're upping the game with kids. We're so excited. I see a few excited people there as well who are involved in that team. So they're going to be doing that, which is going to be amazing. Um, just to, so that we can make space for us in the conference venue. The conference venue, just if you're unaware, it's on the same property. All you do is you drive into the gates. Well, will have people to direct you next week. It's just on the back end there. The one plus of it is it has a view of Table Mountain, which is amazing. So when the sermon's boring, you can just look out the window and uh, just get inspiration from that mountain, you know? But it's really an exciting thing, journey for us. And uh, for, uh, to be honest up front, it's, it's not ideal. But the incredible thing for us is that our, we serve a God who, who says that He calls us to thrive in tough circumstances. And this is not tough. I don't want to overplay it. But I'm just saying when this doesn't fit our game plan, God says, I've called you to thrive. I've called you to actually grow under pressure. When we look in Scripture, we see that actually the, the Israelites always went backwards when they were living in blessing. They, they pressed on whenever they were, when the, the Bible even tells us Exodus opens up in Egypt, they thrived and multiplied. Under, in slavery, because actually God's people were actually never meant to be subdued by their circumstances. They're always to be led by their God. And I just want to tell you that up front, we are a people who this year, we said that we preached it. We, and, and even in this journey, we are, we're navigating what our future is long-term with venues. So we are trusting God to speak. We are trusting God to provide a long-term solution for us. As we've grown, but we believe actually not just for where we are now, but for our future and what God is going to still add to us, we need a more permanent solution for venue. So I'm going to invite you to be praying with us. I think the next couple months in the conscious venue for us are, is a season for us not to shrink back, not for us just to maintain. I believe this is a season for us to grow. I believe that we are a people, we preach Move the Mountains this year, that actually we're people who will see mountains move. And if it's not going to move, we're going to climb over it. But one thing we won't do is stand and be overawed by it. So I want to say to you, this. The, please can you press in with us as a community. I am excited. I believe that God is going to do so much more than we could ever imagine in the next couple of months in a conference venue than we could ever, ever have imagined. That we will think that what the enemy thinks to maybe, uh, maybe shrink us. It's a bit smaller of a space, but actually I believe God is going to pack it. And we're going to be telling stories in years to come of people who found Christ in the conference venue. Anyone excited for that? I'm excited for it. Come on. Come on. I see that hand. I see that hand. But I, I, I really believe this. And I'm so excited about it because this is who we are. We're a people who don't back down. We're a people who don't settle down. When circumstances get tough, I just know in this community, person after person, who has stepped up and actually started to say, God, we're not going to back down. We're holding on to your promises. So I just want to boast about a couple of people. Is that right? Anna, can you stand very quickly? Very quickly. I don't want to... But this amazing lady with her amazing husband, who I can guess is working and been night shift. He was on night shift all night. But this amazing couple, just to let you know, they've been in the life of the church and and part of leading life groups. They're part of leading hosting teams. They just keep stepping up to the plate. They've had a really tough last six months with health challenges, with, with job financial situations. But the incredible thing about this amazing couple, they have not backed down once. And they've stepped up to the plate. And, and Stan, who was the man looking for work, CV after CV, coming back, n- no, no success. But his testimony was saying that I've actually hold, held on to God. And I said, he said, I've got a revelation of tithing in the season. I'm like, who says that in a season where, the, where finances have got tithed? I want to tell you, thank you for preaching sermons that are louder than you could ever imagine. You guys, your life speaks hugely. And I want to thank you because you are a sign and a wonder. And I believe it's, for, it's a sign for us as a community who's going to see what God can do. When finances get tight, we're not a people who back down. When health challenges come, we're not a people who back down. We press in more. And I want to say we honor you today. We really, really do honor you. Uh, uh, is that all right? Can we give this amazing family? Amazing, amazing, amazing. Very, very cool. And just... To very quickly, just you don't have to stand up if you don't want to, but Lorraine, it's lovely to have you back. It really is so good. Lorraine and Derek over there and Dana. Stand up, stand up. There we go, there we go. But just this amazing family, just to let you know, they've also been under pressure with, with health changes with her dad in England, and just this crazy, and then the, the story's not complete yet. But the amazing thing is that you've walked with faith and in and, and community, and we want to just say thank you. We've missed you. We've been praying, and we love you hugely. And we really want to just say, we honor you guys. You guys... Preach loudly through your lives. So I just want to, I could go on and on about you guys. But then in front of you is this amazing Stevens clan all the way along there. And the family going through incredible challenges. We just want to say we love you guys, man. It's so good to see you, my man. So good to see you. We've been praying for you. And this young man and, and this family, just got, is, they've been through challenges. I want to say we just are so proud of your family. And we're so, you are preaching. You don't even know us, man, but you're like, you're preaching. You're a hero to us. This young man has had terrible diagnosis, but just has risen up and risen up. And we love you guys. We're so proud of your family. And we just want to say thank you for preaching. Your lives preach hugely. I could go on and on. I will. Jay, this amazing man who came and shaved uh, a balloon is not just a a hairy face. He's actually, I was going to say pretty face, but uh, no. Not just a hairy face, but this amazing man is a man who's, who's walked challenges, who relocated because God spoke that actually he needs to be near his kids. He didn't have work. He didn't have anything for that. But he said, actually, God spoke, as a dad, I need to be in their lives. And I want to say, well done. I know it's not been easy, but your life is preaching. Your life is preaching. And I'm so incredibly proud of you. It just seems like everyone cool sing this out. No, I'm joking. Why don't we throw one more this out? Where's Henry and Jeannie? Very quickly. Very quickly. This amazing couple, this amazing man, the last eight, nine months, health-wise, have been really, really tough. There some touch-and-go moments even, and, and just we've just seen how God has been so faithful as you guys have kept standing up and kept standing up in faith, and this, the nine months, probably the toughest for, uh, health-wise for your family uh, that I've, I've known of you guys, and just where Henry was had open-heart surgery and just incredible, crazy things going on, and um, I got an SMS from Henry two weeks ago saying, hey, Gabe, would you, would you mind if we start leading our life group again? And i just like, would I mind? It's like this, this amazing. He backed off because you're spending months in hospital. But actually now saying, actually, I, I, I feel 70% better. Let's, let's go for this thing again. And I, I just want to honor you guys for, again, once again, you are evergreen. You always just keep on picking up the call of God. And you put faith in our hearts as young people. I want to say thank you very, very much as slightly older people. I just want to make sure. But I could go on and on now, but then I'll, I'll eat all the time. Let's go, Vance. So I say these things, and I wanted to point some of the heroes out. I could go on and on, and maybe we'll do it in weeks to come. But we are a people. We're not a preaching center. We're not here to come and gather around one person preaching. We're here to gather in community and allow our lives to preach to one another, and allow our lives, when circumstances aren't ideal, that we'll still respond the way God has got for us, and we believe that He has got a bigger future than we could ever imagine. So I want to encourage you this morning. So why don't you stand to your feet? We're going to read a scripture, and then I've got a couple questions for you, and then we'll land our time. Scripture on the screen is Acts chapter 2. We've been reading it for the first couple of weeks. We're going to read it one more time. If you're visiting, the reason we stand is we believe the Word of God is powerful. It's higher than any preacher's thoughts or opinions. The Word of God convicts. The Word of God changes. So when we stand, I'm saying this is not me trying to convince you. It's us as a community saying we're participating with the Word of God together. So let's read. It says this. Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Just the next slide, yeah. They devoted themselves. Can we say those three words together? They devoted themselves Father, this morning as we gather around community, as we gather around fellowship, as we gather around singing and, 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 and being together on the Sunday, we thank you, God, the preeminent thing we gather around in this moment is your word and your presence and your voice. And I thank you, Father God, no matter where we are, would your voice direct us? Would your voice correct us? Would your voice bring us back into the future you have for us? We trust you this morning. I thank you. would speak to every single heart here. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Why don't you take a seat? It's really good to be together. This morning, I want to ask us, uh, just before we do ask a couple questions. Um, and I've been probing at my heart, so I want to bring them to, to you as well. Just some, uh, some background to that scripture we just read. That scripture is on the back of a man named Peter, one of the first disciples, the man that followed Christ, who left his, his nets, his fishing, and went and followed Jesus. He, he ends up, after Jesus died and risen from the dead and then ascended to heaven, Peter gets up on Acts two, uh, in Acts 2 on Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit has been poured out, and this incredible man stands up and preaches this power sermon where the Bible tells us that on the back of it, 3,000 give their lives to Jesus. 3,000 respond to the gospel. And it's an amazing moment of salvation leaping up, just celebration. 3,000 people have given their lives to Jesus. And then on the very next uh, stanza, without skipping a bre- uh, beat or taking a breath, it moves on with the story and says they devoted themselves and the amazing community forms of power, of generosity, of vulnerability, of courage, where, where no one had need in the community. Everyone, so people, we learn later, people sold properties and gave the money to the church, so the church could distribute it to those who were in need. This is this incredible community where there was no hiding and everyone all for one, one for all. This beautiful, uh, this poetic, but, but real community that we all would aspire to be a part of. And this amazing work of salvation and community, we see the two acts are being linked with these three words, they devoted themselves. It wasn't a course. It wasn't a preacher. It wasn't Peter saying, right, now you've done that. He has a, a manual for the next 40 days of how to get into community. Now those things can help. But the amazing things that we are seeing is that actually the people individually took ownership for what God wanted to do. We see it from the scriptures, we read it, that these people devoted themselves to become who Christ called them to be. From get-go, they let go of their past and they said, we're going to devote ourselves to the future God has for us. We're not going to go kicking and screaming into it. We're going to go running in robustly into the fullness that God has for us. And I want to say from the get-go, we've been saying this and we'll say it again, that your future and to become all that Christ has called you to be primarily is not my job. It's our job. It's our job so all of us run in. It's my job to hold myself to, to devote myself. But it says they, communal, they devoted themselves. It's our job to devote ourselves to what God has called us to. Actually, so much so that we've been saying that the word disciple in the Scriptures is primarily a noun, not a verb. It's a noun. That means it's something you are, not something that someone does to you. Only three times in the whole of the Scriptures, the word disciple uses a verb that someone does to you. Someone else is discipling you. Now, that's not to take that off the table, but primarily the scripture is saying, You come follow me. Christ calling us. And that's what we want to say. We want to pick up this ownership. So much so that I get to this question this morning that I want to help us outwork. work. The question is this Who are you becoming? Who are you becoming? Too often I know in my own narration of, uh, of, of conversations I have, People, I'll ask you, you'll, I'll tell people about my past. When you meet somebody for the first time, you tell them all that's gone before. You look over your shoulder, let me tell you where I've been and where I lived. I lived in Zimbabwe, Durban, da, da, da. And I tell that story of where I've been. What school I went to. What's my background. Or when you get to know someone, you say, how are you doing? You tell them, let me let you know where I'm at. Presently right now, how are we doing? Life is tough, money is hard, work is, 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 the boss is just on my back all the time, can't make deadlines, family, oh, you know, kids are doing okay, yeah, yeah, TV's a really great series you're watching. We tell people where we're at, which is also wonderful. But this morning, I want to throw our eyes a little bit forward and say, actually, who are you becoming? To a question that actually Jesus was a master at asking, and Jesus was a master at pushing in front of people. Because we say it again and again that Jesus is not concerned where you've been, but he's more concerned where you're going. So much so that we find in the scripture will be behind me, is that actually in Matthew four, we've been labouring this. Jesus' first words to the, the disciples were these words Come and follow me, and I will make you fishes of men. This is present future tense. From the get-go, Jesus is at the very beginning. He meets these guys. From the first conversation, he says, look where I'm going to take you. He takes their vision. He takes their view, and he says, I've got a future for you. I've got something bigger than your here and now, your Monday to Friday reality. I've got something bigger than that. I want to throw your eyes forward. And that's where I'm going this morning. I wanted to say in this story is that the things we are doing and the decisions we are making today are determining the future we'll be walking into tomorrow. Let me say that again, the things we're doing and the decisions we're making today are determining what our tomorrow will look like. It's not rocket science, but we need to be reminded of these things. Uh, Maybe a different way to say it is what you sow today will grow tomorrow. What you sow will grow. Jesus said, this for me is terrifying and invigorating. Terrifying in the sense of because this works positive and negative. The things I'm doing today positively will have a bearing on what happens tomorrow. The things that I'm doing negatively will have a bearing on what happens tomorrow. So it's invigorating knowing that God is faithful. It's terrifying knowing that actually God is faithful. So much so in the book of Galatians says, God will not be mocked. You will reap what you sow. It's a principle. It's a, every, every farmer in the house, any farmers? No, no, going once, twice. No, we're a bit short on those. But um, every farmer knows this principle. What I plant today, we'll have a few will have a bearing on the harvest coming up. No farmer goes, ah, the harvest. Well, did you sow some seed? Oh, I knew there was something I was supposed to do. Ah, that was a problem. No, every farmer knows this principle deeply, intrinsically, but we sometimes forget. And I want to help us, remind us in this journey, and ask us the question, what are you planting today? If If this is so true and not rocket science, this is like actually what we do today, we'll have a bearing tomorrow. So what are you doing today to shape your future? He has a question. Jesus says this. He says, come follow me and I will make you. I will make you. We've noted that this is present, future tense. Jesus is saying he's doing it now, but he'll be doing, ongoingly doing it. He says, I will ongoingly make you. I'll ongoingly form you. I'll ongoingly shape you. So much so that Jesus doesn't care. He doesn't love us more, a future version of ourselves, but he does call us by a future name. We've got to just remind ourselves of these things that Jesus calls us by a future name. Let me walk you through text, uh, examples in scripture. I've said it again and again. The man Abraham, his name was Abram. God meets him. He has no kids at the age of 75. He says, Your name is Abraham, which means father of many nations. He's 75 years old, father of many nations. You see, Abraham only became a father when he was 100. So for 25 years, he wore the future name, I am father of nations. Awkward at parties. Hey, what's your name? Father of many nations. So you left the kids at home. No, don't have any yet. Oh, it's like, it is one of those things, you know, that feels like the sarcastic thing, like you call the fat guy tiny. Hey, this is tiny. Hey. But no, no, God's not being sarcastic. He's not playing on emotions, not cruel. He's saying, Abraham, I will make you. I will make you. It might not, take, it might not be instant and it might not be tomorrow, but if you keep sowing, if you keep believing what I've called you to be, watch what I'll do. God calls us by a future name. He does it with Peter. Rock. And Peter becomes the rock. Only many years later in the book of one Peter, we only see this man who denied Jesus almost straight after being called Cephas. Rock. Emotional roller coaster of racism and, and, and just this incredible journey of watching Peter grow. But here's an amazing thing that actually years ago people came to me and said this in a prophetic moment. And they said, Gabe, you are a man of God. I thought, that's wonderful. And I wrote it down. Man of God. That's what I want to be. I want to be a man in my generation who stands for Christ. When everyone runs away, I want to be a man for Christ. And actually, for the next 10, 15 years of my life, I'll be honest, I was more man of lust than man of God. I was more man of apathy. Maybe you're sitting here today and, and you're going, I'm more man of alcohol. That's my life. Or maybe I'm, I'm woman of anxiety. If you had to put that word in, I won't tell God he says, Yeah, yeah, maybe that's your case now, but I will make you. I will make you, I will form you, I will transform you. It's not uh, sometimes I wish it was, I wish that actually transformation was a preacher would say, Who wants to change and become a better version of themselves and become holy and godly? And everyone said, Yes, me, and you ran to the front. And I went, dush, 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 and you all fell down. That's me making noises of people falling. And you all fall, and you all got up going, I'm holy. I'm wonderful, wonderful, look how easy this is. Now, we know that God has declared us holy, but walking that out takes time. Walking into that future doesn't happen overnight. Olivia is my daughter. Nothing will ever change it. But her becoming and acting and, be, and responding more and more like a Phillips takes time. Phillips says, don't poo in their nappies, Olivia. Stop it. Get the man of God to pray for her. Stop it. It won't happen because that is maturity and God takes us on this journey. But actually, her job is to still stay close. Grow. Grow with me. This is the story that God is doing. He says, I will make you. And what is he meaning when he says, I'll make you? He says, I'll form you. I'll fashion you to become like Christ. And here's the exciting thing. He is more committed to that goal than you and I are. Just to let you know, Jesus is more committed to making you more like himself than you and I are. How thrilling and exciting is that? He is more committed because he says this, come follow me and I will make you. The onus is on him. He says, I will make you. Confidence. When Jesus says something with confidence, I can rest. Thank goodness. I've underlined that. I will make you. But here's the thing. This morning, I'll take us very briefly, is that I make you is preceded by come follow me. Confidence in Jesus' call demands a response from us. So I want to help us. Two things this morning on who we becoming. The first one is this. will be on the screen. The next one says this. You become what you follow. You become what you follow. Jesus says, come follow me and I'll make you. He says, come follow me and I'll make you. Come follow me and I will make you. He didn't say, come believe in me from a distance. He didn't say, come mentally nod towards me. Come on, just just give me a nod. Yes, are you a Christian? Yes, thank you. Jesus, is not, oh good, I've got another one. No, Jesus is not looking for cheap converts or people just slip up their hands and slip on out and just carry on with their life. He says, "Come, follow me." You see, the key to becoming is following, following. Now, the scriptures tell us that actually, too many people. They say the, the book of Matthew says, "No one gets a, a an old, what well, you get a new garment." And then sews old patches on it. It's the, Bible, the Bible actually says this. Too often, I remember I had a, an old shirt and we were in Zimbabwe. My mom would repair it with just like other little patchwork. You know, those little things. I'm the youngest son, so I got the hand me down. So They were really stitched up nicely. But if you got a new shirt, you wouldn't then go, hey, let's get another old one and just start putting other patches on it. No, no, no. This is what Jesus says. Jesus is not calling us. He's not wanting us just to add him to the recipe. How's your life going? Do you need Jesus to be added? No, no, no. Jesus is saying actually, Leave everything and follow me. This is the call that Jesus says at the get-go, not to those who mature later on in life. From the very beginning, Jesus says, come, follow me. It blows my mind. You see, he's not looking for a cheap follow. Like, you know, on Instagram, we've been suckered. That means I follow you on Instagram. We're mates. Meaning that you're one of 200 other things I flick through every evening. He's not looking for a cheap follow that, hey, you know, Bieber, Kanye, my mates, Bry, or Jesus. Double click. I love that scripture. Ooh, encourage me. Then on with the rest of our lives. No, no, no. He's not saying, even people, we often do this. We say, you know, my priorities are God, then my marriage, then my kids, then my family, my work, my sport. You no, know, he's not even asking that type of understanding. In the Jewish culture, what Jesus was saying, demanding of those disciples was he says, put me at the center of your life and let everything else be, take its, uh, its, its cue off me. Everything. It's not this linear thinking, Cool, I've ticked off God, now let's move on with something else. Two, the Western thinking is, I've done my God thing, I've been to church, tick. Whew. When God is saying, no, no, that's not following. Following is now actually following, becoming. By believing is activated when it actually takes steps of faith. Here's the story for you and I. As I said, you become what you follow. Too often, I'll be honest, I follow my feelings. I follow my feelings. I'm a guy who's sometimes a bit impulsive, a guy who's emotionally wired. I I get, the World Cup starts and there's these fairy tales, soccer, Iceland. I'm like, I'm Iceland till I die. I've never, I never even cared about the nation of Iceland. But, you know, just the the underdog story, I'm like, I'm in. I'm in. Because I'm impulsive. I'm like feelings. I just, I'm in. Because it's a beautiful storyline. Come on. That's who I am. Actually, but the the, and that's nothing is not terrible because that's who the makeup of who I am, but actually what gets bad is when I start doing that with everything else that actually instead of following Christ on things, I just follow my feelings. I don't feel like it today. So I allow myself to go after that. Maybe you are somebody who follows your emotions or you follow your hurts, you follow your disappointments, you follow your impulses, you follow your desires, you follow your cravings. Here's the problem though, is actually Jesus said this truth that he put in motion. Come follow me and I'll make you. I'll suggest to you today. Come follow your feelings and they will make you. Because you become what you follow. This is not exclusive to Jesus. If you keep following your feelings, I'm telling you, they will make you into an emotional mess that is always up and down. If you keep following your cravings, you'll end up always being a person who can never say no to anything besides what you desire. If you always say no, if you always follow your apathy, your apathy will leave you in brokenness. Because your apathy, if you follow it, will make you. Who are you becoming? I think too often we we, we mentally, no, I follow Jesus. i mentally not in His direction. But our feet are betraying us. Our hearts are betraying us because we're giving our hearts and our feet and our emotions, our money to other things. You become what you follow. You see... The freest man on the planet is the one who has made himself a slave to a perfect master. Let me say it again. The freest man on the planet is the one who has made himself a slave to a perfect master. Those men, disciples, I can imagine their family, when they left everything to follow Jesus, I can imagine the families, if I was there, I'd go, oh, surely you'd have a backup plan, guys. Financially, is that the boldest thing to do? Keep the fishing business going, just in case this Jesus thing doesn't work out. And three years later, when Jesus dies, I can imagine the the parents going, I told these guys. Why did they not have a backup plan? Why did they not have this side project? Just invest. Bitcoin, guys. Bitcoin. It wasn't in the Bible yet. But but here's the thing. Actually, no, no, no. Jesus, the safest thing for those disciples, the most safest thing was to leave everything and follow him. Because he said, I will make you. There's a guarantee to that following. Maybe you're here saying, oh, I'm not that radical type of guy. I'll tell you, the safest thing is to become radical. The safest thing is to go all in on Jesus because he guarantees, I will make you. I will form you. I will fashion you. I will take care of your future. The safest thing for Ann and Stan, the safest thing for Derek Lorraine, the safest thing for Stephen, the safest thing for Jay, the safest thing for Henry Jeannie is to follow him. But my health is terrible. Follow him. By my feelings, I'm just, I don't feel like it. Follow him, sir, ma'am. It's the safest thing for you and I. Because your feelings will betray you. Nobody lies to you more than yourself. The Bible tells us above all else, hey, just follow your heart. No, your heart is deceitful. My heart has given me into terrible things. I'm just going to go without my gut on this one. No, the Bible says be led by the Spirit. We're not a people who just follow our things. He says, follow me and I will make you. This is, this is the gospel. I want to pull us in this journey very quickly because this is the thing. Devotion is an act of the will. It's easy. Devotion is easy on a Sunday when we've got nice background music. Devotion is easy on a, at a conference with a Jesus Culture band singing. And now I've got not knocking these things. We gather. We love this. These, that's why we gather, to encourage each other. But devotion is, becomes devotion on a Monday when your boss is berating you. But you remain silent. Devotion becomes devotion when you're offended but you refuse to take the cheap shot. Devotion becomes devotion when you start saying, "Actually, I'm not going to. My flesh demands something now, but I'm going to invest in my future, because I'm I'm becoming something. I'm not having to get everything now. I don't need to get the approval of man now. I don't need to get the cheap shot in now. I don't need to hold on to the unforgiveness because he doesn't deserve it now. Because actually, I can release that and trust I'm investing in the future. This is what devotion on the ground looks like." I want to pray this morning that you and I have, I'm praying for a holy discontent to stir up in us. Like in a sense, i actually been praying this, so I apologize if this doesn't fit well in your theology, but this is what I've been praying for you this week and for myself. Are you ready for it? That actually everything of lesser value would become bitter to you. That anything that you've been giving your emotions to, your feelings to, that you've been following, that you've been going, even the earthly pleasures compared to Christ would start to taste bitter. I've been praying that for you. And I pray you start praying that for yourself. That actually a great Puritan preacher, Jonathan Edwards. He, used to, he said this after preaching sermon of, after sermon after sermon to dead congregations who nodded and got out and shook his hand at the door. And nothing changed. His prayer for his people was that God stamped their eyeballs with eternity. He says, stamp their eyeballs with eternity. The next Sunday when he came to preach, he preached the sermon. He said, this one sermon, that's a famous sermon, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. It's, just, it's quite hectic. But the amazing thing is when he started to preach it, people started to cry out and grab hold of the pillars of the church. as The eternity of the reality of what God was calling them into started to be made known to them. Shook them out of their apathy. I've been praying that for myself, if I'm honest. Because here's the thing, when you const- constantly give in to your feelings, lusts, following trends, opinions, you're saying, I actually don't trust the future you have for me, God. I'm going to shape my future now. So I want to encourage you, don't take a cheap way out. In this moment right now, if you're thinking, even as I was praying this week, maybe you're sitting and you're going, you know, let me just give in to my feeling. Let me, it's an easier way. Let me just, if I just move that money there, no one will know. Let me, if I just... If I just walk out of this relationship, if I just give in to that temptation, if I just, don't take a, a cheap way out, sir, ma'am. Because here's the truth, it will cost you more than you could ever imagine. The cheap way out that you see now is more costly than you know. This morning I say what you, who you follow, what you follow is who you become. Secondly, and finally, is you become who you journey with. According to the scripture, it says, come follow me. And I will make you. And we've been studying that this scripture, you, is written in the plural. Come follow me as an individual. It's in the singular form. But that you in the Greek is plural. Come follow me and I'll make you. So from the get-go, Jesus was saying to his disciples, not saying, hey, listen, come follow me. You get me on Monday. He gets me Tuesday. He gets me Wednesday. You've got your own lane. I'm going to walk this by myself. No, Jesus says, from the beginning, I'm going to put you in community. I'm going to put you in fellowship, and I'm going to make you in community. Here's the powerful thing. The the book of 1 Peter, the man Peter preached a sermon. Uh, Years later, he's writing to the church in Rome who are under persecution, under Nero. They're being burnt alive. uh, they, They are entertainment in the gladiatorial arenas. The Christians. Peter writes a book to those guys. And he says to them, listen, you're coming to God. And he says, let, let me tell you what you are like. And he starts to tell them, I want to give you a metaphor of who you are in this world. I want to give you a metaphor of what you are like. And if I'm being honest, if my brothers and sisters, if some of you are getting burnt at the stake and I'm going, is this thing worth it? Do we hold on to this name of Jesus? Or we just like follow the trend of the day and say, no, Jesus, we find, no, no, Caesar, Caesar, Caesar. We're going that way. When that temptation is raging inside of them, the metaphor that Peter gives, I would have wanted Peter to say, you guys are like gazelles. Because that's, that's a helpful one, you know? It means you can run fast away from the enemy. I'm like, yes. But, but he doesn't say that. Or, you guys are like eagles. You can soar above the problem. No, I was just like, oh, that's helpful. But Peter doesn't say that. Peter uses this metaphor. He says, those of you in persecution, you are, you are Christ is making you into living stones. Built one on top of each other to become a spiritual home for God. If I'm honest I was like that's not the metaphor I would have really enjoyed at that moment. You are like rocks. You are like stones. But this is what Peter is talking cuz Peter's saying actually you're brick upon brick being fashioned together in persecution and tough times he says God is putting you closer together and he's forming something he is still making you. The enemy says we are breaking you but Jesus says no no I'm making you. Cuz this is the commitment. That is good preaching. I'm going to applaud myself. Yes, that was very good. Come on Gabe, be preaching well. When no one encourages you, find strength in the Lord. But anyway. You know what? Let me tell you this thing. As I'm landing, what, what voices are you allowing to shape you in this, life, in this journey? We all have voices. We've all got social media feeds that are speaking loudly. Can I be honest? Let me just be very, very honest. I don't. I, I'm trying my hardest not to look at social media on Sundays. Can I be honest? Because every church puts their cool photos up on a Sunday. And my wicked heart starts to go, you're not as cool as those guys. I'm being honest. Just being very honest because my wicked heart starts the the thing of of influence and the thing of opinions of man saying, follow me. Get get little, look down on what you're doing. Look down. It's not as big as them or not as cool as them. That's my heart. That's why I actually have to stop listening to those voices and surround myself with voices who tell me actually this is what God has spoken. Because so often we are listening to the voices of the neighbor's new car. We're looking at the voices of our friends who are doing, succeeding, but actually they don't seem to be following God. We listen to the opinions of man around us, but actually God says, no, who, what voices are you surrounding yourself with? The, the, the stats say this. This is not even from, this is just the pure stats. It says that you become the cumulative, cumulative, cumulative average of your five closest friends over five years. So right now, think of your five closest friends. Merge them into one person, that's you in five years' time. Their likes, their dislikes, they say that's this, the sociological trend. Uh, the great uh, philosopher and theologian Pitbull, who's a rapper, he says it profoundly. He says, Show me your friends, I'll show you your future. And it's true. The people you're walking with, the voices you're journeying with, will determine who you're becoming. I tell the story that when I was in 2006, um, there was a, a combi going up from the church Glenridge, which my mate Keegan's from, was going from Glenridge up to Pretoria for the Passion Conference, Louis Giglio. And uh, a friend came to me, we, and I was not part of Glenridge. My, so, my friend, myself, and I, Rich Gordon, and myself, were in another church. But a guy came up to us and said, Listen, would you guys like to go up to the Passion Conference with us in this combi? We've got two spaces. And we're like, We'd love that. And we're like, but we're students, we've got no money, we can't pay, so maybe ask someone else. He says, no, no, don't worry, there's another guy called Rory Dyer, who's already paid for you two guys to go. I'm like, I didn't even know if he knew us, that's amazing. So we're like, we're in. So we jump in this combi, and this combi is journeying up to Pretoria. And in this combi is, as I mentioned, a guy called Rich Gordon, who is a, a crazy friend of mine. He's got dreadlocks, an amazing guy, who was with us last year in June and uh, one of my best friends at the stage there, and he was with us. In the combi as well was a girl named Libby Quinlan, who was from Glenridge. In the car was a young guy called Clint Erlang, another girl called Michelle Stewart. And uh, as we were journeying on this way all the way up to, uh, to Pretoria, we got to a place in Pretoria, and we, we, they put us in hosting places, and we didn't know the people we stayed with, and we ended up staying with a couple called Jeff and Jane Kirsten, who had just got married. We didn't know them, we met them, we chatted, and it was wonderful. The, the amazing thing for me is, looking back at this story, is from that combi, the first time they everyone met in that combi, was that five years later, Rich Gordon married Libby Quinlan. She's now Libby Gordon. They lived together on pastoral staff at Bethel Church in America. Michelle Stewart and Clint Erlang fell in love, and they also got married. They're now the Stewarts. And that amazing lady, Michelle Stewart, Michelle Erlang made the engagement ring and the wedding ring that I gave to my wife, Fiona. This is amazing. The amazing thing, Jeff and Jane Kirsten, who we stayed with and met for the first time there, they actually came and visited here last Sunday. If you were here, they were here. They had lunch with us last Sunday. They were actually here for our church launch two years ago. They flew down at personal expense to be here and celebrate with us because they've become some of our best friends. The amazing thing is that man, Rory Dyer, who paid for our trip, actually was the man that ended up officiating and being the man who did my wedding to my amazing Fiona. And the incredible thing about it all was the man who invited us on the trip, his name was Mark Van Pletsen, who actually now preached here last week, and now we get to work together here in Cape Town. What is happening in the combi? Who knows? But here's my thing, is at that moment, I didn't know what was going on in my life, but those guys became some of my best friends that would shape my future more than I could ever know. And at that moment, it wasn't a calculated move. These guys, let me choose who you are. You will be the Thor to our Avengers. You are Iron Man. No, I wasn't selecting who I would think would add the most value to my life. I just was in faith saying, God, I need mates around me. And actually the thing is, God says this, his promise to us, he says, come follow me and I will make you. He says, if you follow me, if you do in community, I will make you. That's the confidence I have for you this morning. I have a confidence that God will make you. What enemy, the enemy has planned to break you, God has plans to make you if you give yourself to following him, if you give yourself to following him in community. I want to ask you the question who you're allowing in the journey of your life right now is very important. Who you're allowing right now? And it's not saying, now go find the best people. It's actually saying, God, who have you brought along my path who I've been called to walk with? Because I want to I'll tell you, they will shape your future more than you ever know. I want to land with this this morning. It's hard. This thing of following Jesus and doing it in community is hard. It's messy. But it's the only way to truly be like Christ. So much so, this last slide here, this is my thesis of it all, is that you can't be truly devoted to Jesus and not be devoted to His community. As I read Scripture, as I read church forefathers, I read church history, that actually there's nothing that refutes this phrase, that actually, let me put in the positive, if you want to be truly devoted to Jesus, you have to be devoted to His community. There's no third option. There's no extra option. He doesn't say, come follow me and I will make those of you who are introverts and don't really, who don't trust people, I'll do you guys on a Friday. We'll have a, a small group. No, no. He said, no, I'll, 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 I'll follow Jesus with my family, with the community. So I want to encourage you this morning. What or who are you becoming? Who are you becoming? And I believe that today it's determined by what you're following and who you're following with on this journey Called faith. So I want to pray for us because he has the amazing fact that Jesus guarantees us a bigger future than we could ever imagine when we follow him and we follow him in community. Let's pray right now. Father, in this morning, in this moment, as we gather around some robust conversations, some robust questions. We allow them to sit on our hearts. We allow them to do work in our hearts. God, right now, I thank you where people have been giving themselves over, allowing themselves to follow their bank balance. When the bank balance account is full, they, they feel at peace. When it's empty, they feel stressed. Father, right now, they take, I thank you that all of us, we take our finances off the throne of our lives. I thank you, Father, where we've been following our emotions when we've been following our feelings, when we've been following our appetites, when we've been following the approval of man, when we've been following what our friends say of us right now, I thank you in this moment, God, we take those things off the throne and we say, Jesus, it's you. I pray right now for myself and for my friends and family here. I thank you, Jesus, that you are asking pointed questions. They might seem simplistic at first, but God, they go deep to the very core of who we are. Because right now you are coming and you are saying, future names over us you're saying man of god woman of god man of god woman of god but but no god I, i've messed up big time you say i'm not pointing to where you've been i'm pointing to where i'm taking you come follow me and i will make you and I thank you father god as we make these shifts to follow you and to do it in community and allow the people of god to come around us and encourage us and and we devote ourselves to you and to your family your community I thank you, Jesus, that there's the underlining confidence in our lives that you will make us.